Welcome to Space for Life. We have a great episode today. My co-host, Patricia Clark, and I are going to be discussing something that I think will relate to everyone. You know, we all find ourselves with stuck places in our lives, places where we feel alone and isolated and paralyzed and can't figure our way out of the rut that we're in. So today's episode is going to speak directly to those stuck places we're in and what do we do to help extricate ourselves out of those stuck places and move again forward in our lives. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, I'd love it if you would share it with friends. It'll help the podcast grow. And we're so thankful for you being with us. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Tommy. Hello, Patricia. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good. So today's episode is how to get unstuck. And can I start with asking you a stuck question? Sure. All right. Have you ever been parallel parking or parking in a parking deck and you're going in and back and forth and you get into this place where you're trying to get out of your parking spot, but you actually get so stuck that you're like, you literally can't go forward or backward. Yeah. I, I mean, I've have you that. really, are you, are you just, no, no, I've had that. I've had it probably more times when I initially pulled into a spot and then someone pulled in so tightly behind me that there was no physical way of getting out. So it wasn't your fault. Not that time. Not that time. Okay. <laughs> well, I've been in a parking deck recently where I had to pull in and it was so tight and there was a wall behind me and I wish I could say it was someone else's fault, but it wasn't. <laughs> and it was like a 40 point turn. Like that was how many <laughs> points I had to have to get in and out. And I may or may not have tapped the back wall and I may or may not have like gotten a little crack in my tail light but I just and you clearly wouldn't have passed the driving test if it was for your license no and I've got all these kids learning to drive I've walked with them through it but the whole like I think it's a great illustration for this conversation because sometimes we get in these positions where there's a car on one side, there's a car on the other side, and they're just too close, and there's a wall behind us, and we have to get out of that spot. Yep. We've got to get on the move. We've got places to go. we got people to see. Theoretically, metaphorically, this happens in our life. And what we're going to talk about today is how to get unstuck. And I think some that that idea of the 40-point turn is not lost on me because sometimes it's just that eh, eh, back and yeah. forth, back and forth. Oh. So I'm sorry if yes. you can't relate to this topic as well as I can, but no, I, I'm, I have a I'm cracked tailgate. I'm with you. To, I haven't to cracked the it. tailgate, but I'm with you. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So what are the ways that we get stuck? Well... I think I think a first place to just recognize is we all get stuck. Yeah. You know, this isn't like something that just some people that just haven't got their acts together, they just get stuck places. But, you know, if if we if you got your act together, you don't really deal with this. No, every single one of us yeah. gets stuck. And so this whole thought and all of that we're going to talk about today is comes out of the experience of all of the different ways in my life that I have been stuck. And when I then reflect back on it, what were the helpful places that I went to that 
eventually, after 40-point turns, Mm -hmm. got me out of a stuck place. And so are there some things, some common practices, steps that we can take to help us when we get stuck? So to me, that's the first place is we're, we're fellow strugglers. Yes. In stuck places. And I think it would be helpful right now for everybody listening to just take a pause and to think about an area in your life where you feel stuck. And we can feel stuck in relationships. Yes. We can feel stuck in parenting. Um, We can literally feel stuck like in our house and we don't want to be in it. We can get stuck in our careers where we just don't feel like we're in the right fit. There's health circumstances. I think that there's emotional ruts that we can get to and mental ruts that we can get to that are so significant nowadays. And I really just want to, to state that one of the things that happens, one of the traits of feeling stuck is that you feel like you are unique and alone and feeling stuck mm-hmm. and you it's hard to remember and it's hard to recognize that everyone feels stuck really in all of these character in all of these categories at some point in their at life some like point it's, in time, yeah. it's a part of being human that you are going to feel like your relationship or your career or your emotional state is in that place where i was with my car where i couldn't go forward i couldn't go back without breaking something right and I think just like your analogy of of the 40-point turns, there are some stuck places that we literally can't do anything about, Mm -hmm. that we have to just be patient with the stuckness of life, Mm -hmm. you know, and part of what I hope we'll talk about, you know, in this episode, this time together, is what do we do when we're in stuck places that we can't change, we can't manipulate, we can't grind and drive our way out of. So there's 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 huge category when we talk about stuck places of circumstantial things that we may or may not be able to do things about. Relational stuck places, which often will depend on someone else that's outside of our control. And we can't necessarily completely change that stuck place. Stuck places we maybe have a little bit more control over, but I think are the primary ones that we often deal with are the mental and emotional mm-hmm. stuck places that we, that we get into. Places of persistent chronic worry, Mm -hmm. places of constant guilt in our lives, places of negativity, places of I'm stuck in trying to analyze my way out of situations. So the mental and emotional places that we get stuck are often, you know, as debilitating as circumstantial or relational stuck places. Well, and there's such a relationship between our circumstances and our mental and emotional state. And a lot of times, if we are stuck and can't move the circumstances, there's this empowerment that we can have where we we have to ask ourselves, are we capable of changing these circumstances without pushing and grinding in an inappropriate way? You know, like without right. banging the car or banging, you know, the back, doing something where it's damaging to change the circumstances. And even having the wisdom to know 
when it's time to just stay the course. Like, sure. I mean, I remember a friend of mine when she had, this was years ago, but she had a baby that was just so fussy and so fidgety and she tried everything and read all the books and talked to the doctor. And eventually we just had a conversation and I had kids that were older. I said, sometimes you don't fix things. You just get through them. Right. You know, sometimes it yes. just, you just are patient and you get through them and you show up every day. And that's where mm -hmm. that emotional mental state comes in because we have to ask ourselves when we're stuck, what do we have agency over? We have agency over what we do with our bodies. We have agency over what we say with our mouth. We have agency in a certain category over what we think. Now, not completely, but we can choose to think some things and we'll get into that later. But I think sure. that that's a great, great thing to note and to ask yourself in whatever area you're feeling stuck is like, what areas do you have agency and what areas do you not? And let's not push the ones where you right. don't. And often these stuck places bleed into one another. It's a circumstantial right. or a relational stuck place, which, wears down our mental or emotional state yeah. and then can create a totally separate emotional stuck place. Mm -hmm. So these things, they don't fit into nice, neat little boxes often. But that sense of being stuck, and I think about it almost that sense of being in a rut mm -hmm. that you can't climb your way out of and that feels claustrophobic claustrophobic mm -hmm. in a sense that's what I'm thinking about when I think of stuck like I, I just don't know what to do where to go how to change mm -hmm. this situation so it, it's a it's a tough horrible feeling and that's why I think it's so helpful to talk about and to be open about and as you say in being open about it to perhaps give ourselves a little bit of relief from the isolation of it. Yeah, I, I do think that recognizing that when we're in a rut, naturally our brain is going to tell us that we're alone. And to recognize that that is a cognitive distortion. It's a thought distortion. And, right. and that is one of the traits actually of being in a rut is we tend to believe things that aren't true. And I'll be weaving those in throughout this conversation, yep. some of the traits that we believe. But what what are some of the steps that you take? Let's just do the first step. And I promise we're not going to do 40-point steps on this. <laughs> You've got yes. three listed, yeah. and I'm going to throw in a few yeah. little anecdotes. Yeah. But what's the first thing that you found helps when you are in a rut? Well, the you know, in keeping with the name of the podcast, Space for Life, kind of the first step is we have to step back mm -hmm. for a moment to take a look at what's going on. And in the stepping back, we need to name what is the stuck place. And not generally I'm emotionally stuck, but to name it as precisely and ex as exhaustively as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, that in doing so, we create some clarity by naming it. And in doing so, it also contains it a little bit mm -hmm. because we've called it something, which means there are other things that it is not. Mm -hmm. And I think that's incredibly helpful. It, it goes right along in one of our recent episodes, Principles of Life, where we talk about the principle of naming. Mm -hmm. When you name something, you gain a certain power over it. 
And so that naming is a very important place. I think of my my brother Lit and probably the most significant story in his life was coming out of a, a crisis that we were in in a business situation with one of our businesses, chain of retail stores, where everything seemed to be imploding at the same time. It was a difficult situation in the middle of a recession. Our bank was taken over by the government, that the bank that had the loan. We had the Gulf War was going on at a particular time, and everything was imploding, and the stress was just monumental mm-hmm. on us. And Lit describes it as his get-off-the-freeway moment. And he woke up, and he was just so stressed out one morning, and he just said, I just, I just can't make it into work. And so he called in and talked to the receptionist, said, I'm not going to make it into work. She said, fine. And he thought, wow. All of a sudden, I have a whole day free. And so he went to the library, and he got out a notepad, and he wrote at the top of the notepad, why am I so stressed? And he began to list in tremendous detail, page after page, of what were the things that were causing him to get stressed. Mm -hmm. And then he began to weave through those and say, well, that's not really particularly stressful. And he, he narrowed it down to just a couple of things. And that was that, that naming that he went through and that naming as he went through that process, then gave him the ability to then take the next step because he knew at that point in time, what is really the cause of of this stress Mm -hmm. that he was going through. What was the number one business situation which we needed to address, we needed to call out, and we needed to exert all of our energy towards solving? Mm -hmm. Had he not gone through that process, had he not stepped back, gotten off the freeway, and listed, why am I stressed, and gone through that process, he would have just continued to mire Mm -hmm. in that stress with no ability to do anything about it. That's really helpful. And I would just say that if you are in a circumstance where you feel like the main reason that you're stressed has to do with a relationship you're in, then it can get really sticky when you're trying to name it because it can be very scapegoaty where you're basically blaming all these problems on this one person and if this person would only just get their act together. And so one caveat I would throw in there is that if you do this power of naming where you sit down and you really dig into what is wrong, I would just say that the a wise way to go about that is to not think of it in terms of what the other person needs to do to change but how you are being impacted by the problem. Put it in your own words, how it's impacting you, how you have been hurt, how the relationship is overstepping into your life. And then that gives you agency to instill boundaries because you don't have power over other people, but you do have power over your own boundaries. And if we overly focus on the other person's faults, then we miss the power that we have. yeah to because we we all have the ability to set boundaries so i just think that's really important to go into naming in depth and like you said even in ancient practices the power of naming things 
meant that you, it, in the ancient world, it meant that you had power over that entity, right. over that over that person, over that country, over that group of people when you could name it. Right. And often that that process of naming something will be most effective if you do it with someone hmm. who's very close to you. Obviously, if, if your issue is with a certain person, it's not necessarily talking to that you know person, if it's your spouse or something like that, but it's finding that trusted friend that you can talk with so that if your naming gets off track where the naming is really just blaming, hopefully that's the kind of friend that would say, yeah, but exactly what is your place mm -hmm. in this? And that naming can be sufficiently exhaustive and clear and not be distorted. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think as you're digging in and naming, you're going to be spending a lot of time thinking about something negative because you're going to be thinking about a problem. And what I, I, I think it's really important when we talk about it with someone else, because what it does is it brings light to some of the, um, like I said, the cognitive distortions, the thought distortions, the in a sense, we tell ourselves, our brains can literally tell ourselves lies. And when we believe yeah. them, it, it's like taking a shovel and digging the rut even deeper. And yeah. so w one of the lies that I mentioned earlier is that you feel like you're alone in it. And the other lie that tends to happen, and our brains can tell us this so deeply, and we believe it so much, is that it will always be this way. Yes. Like the way I feel right now, the hopelessness I feel, the rut I feel, and it is never going to change. It will always be this way. And it's fascinating to me when you think about, we talk about this idea of victim mentality and nobody thinks of themselves as a victim, but it's helpful to be aware when you're in a rut when you're starting to feel like it will always be this way and I am alone, just catch yourself there because we are never alone. It won't always be this way. And we as human beings are never victims. We are always given agency and we are always given grace. Yeah. And those things are always there in the darkest places. There's the Psalm that says that surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. And it's the psalmist who's saying, oh, I'm going to drown in this darkness. The light all around me will become dark. But then he finishes by saying, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. I love that phrase, for darkness is as light to you. And I think it's so important when we're in these dark ruts to remember that there is always grace. You are never alone and it will not last forever. Yep. I couldn't agree more. So I, I probably have a hundred stories of times of being in stuck places mm -hmm. and processes out of it. And we'll share some, but you know, one that I think really comes to mind for me, that is a relatively recent journey out of a stuck place was for me, related to health and losing weight. Mm. And when I say this, this is my personal journey. It may not be someone else's personal journey and my solutions out of it may not be someone else's solutions, but they were, it was my stuck place. So for years, you know, I love my goals. I would, 
always have a, a goal to lose a little bit of weight. Yeah. Get below a certain number on the scale. And so year after year, really through 50s and the beginning of my 60s, I would have those goals and usually not accomplish them at all. Maybe at some point in the year, dip down just below and then Mm. quickly gain back. And so when I was 62 years old, Mm. literally coming up with my goals, I began to think about this and I began, began to name my stuck place. And it was just like you said, I had all sorts of excuses. In my own mind, I said, well, my dad was a little bit heavy and I just have his build. And in reality, I'm never going to be able to Mm -hmm. do anything about this. So I had all of these cognitive distortions, these lies, these rationalizations for why I kept on failing at this. But I was stuck. And as I stepped back, the thought came into my mind, you know, if I go through another year failing, I just may give up on Mm. this thing. And if I give up, that means the rest of the years I'm going to be dealing with all of the repercussions of carrying a lot more weight on me than I should. And so all of a sudden, I went through this naming process of saying, Okay, here's the problem. And in that naming process, I came up with a few things, which is beginning to lean into the the second step that was at the core of the problem of the weight, which ironically was I just ate too much. (laughs) So it's so simple, but... It was, but it was but it was not. it was simple because, you know, I would have a nice, very healthy portion of whatever meal it was, and then at the end of the meal, because I was very accustomed to this, I was still hungry, and there were usually always leftovers, and so I would simply go back and get some seconds, mm-hmm. and that practice. Day after day, meal after meal was keeping me in this stuck place. Mm -hmm. And so I had to name that very specifically, that the problem was simply a lack of self-discipline around the portions that I ate. Okay, but I really like that because it was, it sounds to me like an aha moment because people all over the world are trying to lose weight and they might just think, oh, I'm going to try this diet or I'm going to try this diet. But what you came up with was so simple. It was in your grasp. You didn't have to pay a lot of money for it. Although, I mean, I'm all about asking for help. I think when you're stuck, I am a hundred percent for that. But it was almost like this, (laughs) this aha moment. And it reminds me of that 40 point turn. It was these, a, a small step, the same step and you just made it over and over and over again of not getting a second portion. Right. And it, you know, it wasn't super complicated. And I I think that sometimes when we're stuck, the answers are there. We just have, we get quiet enough and name it enough 
and kind of look for it, sometimes it will reveal itself. Well, and I think what was very clear was the answer was simple. The solution was hard. Okay. You know, and I think that's often the case in a stuck place. Mm-hmm. That if we take the time to gain the clarity, the answer of how to move out of that hard place is relatively simple, but the execution of it is really hard or else we wouldn't be stuck. So what was that like for you then? I mean, do you remember those early days? Oh yeah. You know what it, what it required of me, which is, is now very much a part of my whole goal setting process is I had to give an absolute priority to conquering this one hard thing. So my goal for the year, I did have a couple of additional pieces to it, but my goal was I don't care how much weight I lose. For one year, I will not have seconds on anything. Mm. I can put as much on my plate as I want, but I will not get up and get seconds. And so the clarity was so so much there and those early meals it was like the minute my plate was empty my stomach went okay time for seconds Mm -hmm. and I was hungry so it was so hard to execute but I knew this is the one thing that I need to do this is my one step to try to extricate myself out of this stuck place and did you did it get easier the more you did it oh yeah okay oh yeah but the beginning part was very difficult. Yeah. I was super conditioned into having seconds. So it was extremely hard. But once I retrained myself, and mm-hmm. that's often what happens, particularly in the mental and emotional stuck places, mm-hmm. is we literally need to retrain ourselves. And anytime we're starting from scratch on training, those first weeks are, are excruciating. Mm-hmm. And so I had to retrain myself. Once I retrained myself, then I wondered why it was so hard to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I had to be absolutely committed. And I gave myself a full year of saying, I am not going to vary from this no seconds for one entire year on it. And it was totally game-changing. Yeah, and I can see how that applies to the mental and emotional as well. Although I I did just do a podcast on depression on my podcast. And I talked about how sometimes depression is your soul's way of telling you to slow down. Yeah, But I think there comes a time where it's time to get out. It's and, and you'll know you know it's time I, I can't yield to these negative emotions. I can't yield to the discouragement and the despair. And there's an emotional version of this, these like steps, this one step. And the phrase I would say is called fake it till you make it. Really. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like get up and do the things that you used to do when you felt better. And almost your body catches up with your emotions, or I'm sorry, your emotions catch up with your body. And so there is this this plan that you make once you've named it, and when you know it's time to stop yielding to the negative thought pattern. 
Sure, and it takes it takes some discernment. That's sure. that's why I say you know it has to begin with some stepping back. Yeah, because we don't get into ruts easily. Mm-hmm. These these are real issues in our lives that cause us to get into these ruts. And if we don't step back and and if we're not thoughtful, then we come up with inferior solutions which won't solve the problem. Mm-hmm. We'll fake it until we make it when we need to perhaps live with it a little bit more and identify it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So absolutely that's true. So you say name the, the stuck place. And then the second thing you said is get a leg out of the rut. Tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. So when my family was down in Florida years ago, we got to witness the hatching of sea turtles on the beach. Mm -hmm. And these small, tiny little several dollar size turtles emerge from the sand and they have to immediately make their way to the water. And usually they hatch a ways up on the beach. Well, as they do this, they're immediately caught up in all of the footprints in the sand and they're in a rut, these little sea turtles, and they can't see their way out of it. Mm. Eventually, when you're in a rut and when the walls of that rut are high on both sides, you have to begin by taking a first step and lifting a leg to get Mm. out of the rut. So there is an action that needs to happen. And ruts are often, I think, identified in our life by a sense of paralysis. Totally. That is one of the features. You feel, I'm going to keep repeating these. You feel alone, you feel like it's going to last forever, and you feel paralyzed. Exactly. So part, once we have named precisely and exhaustively what it is that is holding us down, Mm -hmm. then we need to then take the next step to say, okay, given that I am completely stuck and feeling paralyzed, what is the one most important thing that I can do to push in the opposite direction, Mm -hmm. to begin to get a leg out? Mm -hmm. It has to have a certain priority in our mind and a clarity and a significance in our mind. For me, in that weight loss journey, it was that decision, you know what? I'm eating too much. Every single meal I am going back for seconds and that is keeping me from any progress. So I had to identify very clearly what that step was. For me, it was no seconds. Mm -hmm. But the step may be different depending on what the what the circumstances mm-hmm. for Wheezy, I remember when we were going through the stuck place that we couldn't do anything about when when our daughter Perrin was diagnosed with cancer and the and the stress was so much, her leg out or a leg towards some element of relief was what she called rehearsing the goodness of God. Hmm because the stress was so all-consuming that the only way to 
begin to move out of it was to rehearse that we believed that in his very nature, God was good. Mm -hmm. And we had to keep on reminding, reminding ourselves of that. And so that was a form of taking that step out of the rut. I really like that you said that about Wheezy, and I've known that about her rehearsing God's goodness. Another way of saying that would be re like sort of remembering or reciting the good things that God has given you, the good things that you know about God, the good things in your life. I think gratitude lists are a way that people can participate in this concept, even if they don't have a faith practice. Sure. And what I love about what Wheezy did is that it's a direct combat. It's a direct confrontation of these thought distortions that we have, because one of the things we do when we're in a rut is you know, we feel alone, all of these things, but we also discount the positive. And it's like we've got this radar for absorbing the negative and a lens. <laughs> so true. It's yeah. like this lens that we get this dark lens and it blocks out all the light. So we go through our day and there might be good things all around us, mm -hmm. but we don't see them. We don't absorb them. Our faces are down and all that we see and absorb, it's like we've got this, this like antennae that's just absorbing all the negativity that's on offer. And we've got blocks up to all the good things on offer. So one of the things by mentally, it's like this cognitive decision, cognitive behavior thinking to combat the thought distortions is to start intentionally thinking of things you're grateful for, of the positive things in your life. And if you're a person of faith, that's where it really comes in handy, like rehearsing and remembering the goodness of God. Yeah, one of the profound experiences for me, I, I'm not necessarily prone to depression, but mm -hmm. I remember in my freshman year at, at Davidson going through a phase that was several months long of just beating myself up mm. for all the ways that I was finding myself inadequate or less than I thought I should be. And, you know, the more I tried to get myself out of that, the deeper I dug myself because I kept on failing. Mm -hmm. I'd say, I just need to try harder. Well, I'd try harder and mm -hmm. I'd fail again. So that just reinforced everything. And I, I, I can remember thinking during that time, there's no way out of this because I am inadequate. I'm not good enough. And, and I couldn't figure out this way out of this repeating pattern of beating myself up and feeling guilty about anything and everything, every lustful thought, every little white lie, everything. And it was, it was horrible. I was, I was truly depressed. Mm -hmm. And I came across a thought in a book that just immediately changed it. It said that when you start to beat yourself up, instead of beating yourself up, take that opportunity to revel in the forgiveness of God. Hmm. So the minute that you fail, immediately praise God for his forgiveness. And it was like a new thought to me. And all of a sudden, every time that guilt would come over me, I immediately took the leg out of saying, God, I so praise you for, hmm. for I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And all of a sudden, 
all of my failures became an occasion for rejoicing. Mm. And in a matter of a couple of days, the whole curse was broken of that negativity for me. Wow, isn't that amazing how just practicing a reframing of those thoughts and redirecting it, it's like a fog lifted that was holding you down. It was, and it was months long, and it was deep, and it was Mm. profound, and it lifted almost instantaneously when I realized the cognitive lie that I was accepting, Mm. not that I wasn't inadequate, but that my inadequacy didn't matter. What mattered was God's forgiveness. And so it completely reframed everything. It was phenomenal. It reminds me of that phrase, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Yeah, Because so often when we feel trapped or in a rut or feel stuck, it's because we're believing something that is not true and we can't see it. Yeah. You know. Okay, so tell me more. You've got the second step about get a leg out. Did you want to add anything else to that or do you want to move on? I think we can move on. Okay, so what's yeah. your third step? Again, no 40 points here, just three steps. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? So the third step could probably verbalize this a lot of different ways, but the way I'm thinking about it is elevate out of the rut. Mm. That is, the, the second step is confronting the rut. Okay. You know, it's it's looking at it straight in the face and determining what is the thing that I need to do to fight against this rut. For me in at Davidson, it was instead of beating myself up, I'm going to accept the forgiveness God. It was that choice to say that second portion, no more. It was mm-hmm. confronting it as a battle. Yes. I love that. Helpful. Absolutely necessary. But the third step is saying life is bigger than the rut that we're in. Hmm. So, There is life outside of the rut. And so I'm going to elevate and begin to live life beyond the rut. Mm. So there are lots of different creative practices that one can do depending on what the rut is. For, For Wheezy and I, during those cancer years, we had a couple of different practices, which I call, you know, elevating ourselves out of the rut. One was we just consistently work to change the subject. So virtually every night for years, we would watch some comedy show because we knew that we just needed to laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, we needed to laugh in a, in a, at a time when laughter was really hard to come by. Yeah. Change the subject, elevate out of the rut. We also, as a, as a practice, to elevate ourselves out of the rut of the self-absorption of our own suffering, both kind of independently, although we kind of then shared that we were doing this, tried to take on the practice of do something for someone else every day. Hmm. It could be small. It could be a kind word for someone in the grocery line. It could be something very insignificant, but it was a step of saying life is bigger than our rut. Hmm. And that was immensely helpful for us in simply surviving a rut that was circumstantial that we couldn't do anything about. Mm -hmm. And that is often the case. Chronic pain 
you know, that people are going through difficult life circumstances that we can't change. We need a way of elevating ourselves out of the rut of, of engaging in the bigness of life that is beyond the smallness of our rut, even though our rut may be big. Hmm. How did you do that when, you know, if, if it was so heavy, how did you, I mean, did you ever just not feel like doing those things, like not feel like watching the comedy or not feel like doing something good? And did you just make yourself do it? Like, what was that like? Like, how did you get bigger? How did you get a bigger, bigger perspective? It was largely, I think a lot of times it was just a grind. Yeah. It was, it was survival mode. Mm. It was, okay, this is hard. I know this will help. I don't feel like being nice to the people around me. I feel like, you know, pitiful and Mm -hmm. wanting self-pity, but that isn't going to get me anywhere. So every day we would wake up, we would Mm. take that extra time in the morning and we would gird ourselves up with the things that we needed to do to survive that day. And those couple of simple practices, Mm. the other one we, we constantly was our mantra was find joy. Yeah. Find joy somewhere in the day find joy yeah so they were our repeating mechanisms and yeah there were a lot of times you know we didn't feel like it and I'm sure there were a lot of times we didn't but it was the overriding Mm -hmm. processes that we went through to help elevate ourselves out of a rut that wouldn't go away Mm. well I I really like that I also think sometimes when you're in a rut and you don't know how to get the leg up or you don't know how to get a, what did you say, elevate out of it. I think of this thing that Anne Lamott says, she describes three different kinds of prayers, help, thanks, and wow. And I think that there's a time sometimes where you feel like you're in a rut and you just can do a shout out prayer, like help, I need help. And I often find that when we ask these prayers, it's, it's really great to ask for help for the day. Just mm-hmm. for that day. God, help me get through this day. God, help bring me joy this day. God, give me what I need to get through this day. And it's a way of just putting that, you know, stake in the in the sand or stake in the ground and saying, like, I'm I'm not gonna get swept up in the I'm swept away in this. I believe God is going to help me. And then what happens when you've asked for it and when you've said help is that it lifts your eyes and it elevates you naturally because you start looking for it. Yeah. You know, you start looking for the ways that God would show up. And if we never ask for help, whether it's to a friend or to God, then we don't, we tend to keep our eyes downcast. And it's that whole idea of just looking up really can change everything. And like you said, elevate. So there's this paradoxical thing that that's going on often when we're in a stuck place and that it's, it's a problem that we don't have any view out of. We don't know when situations might change or if they will ever change. And yet at the same time, what we need to do is we need to take the next right step Mm -hmm. and we need to take it one day at a time. And I think of the practices of AA when someone acknowledges and names that they're an alcoholic 
they need to make the step, the decision to say that I will not drink again for the rest of my life. And at the same time, they have to make the decision, but I only need to not take a drink today, Mm -hmm. one day at a time. And so that's often the case for how we extricate ourselves from a stuck place is we need to say that here's the stuck place. We don't know what the eventual long game is out of this stuck place. But what we do know is what we need to do today. Yeah. And so we elevate out with practices that look bigger than just the rut itself. And we say, we're going to live today. One day at a time. Yeah, because it's too overwhelming to think about the whole climb out of the rut. And I find even, you know, if it's not some massive life rut I'm in, but say it's just a career or work thing that I'm overwhelmed by and I feel like I'm in a rut. And I think, okay, what's this next step to get out? And even that step is overwhelming to me. And I found that I have to just keep breaking it down, breaking it down till the tight, what is a step that I can take? What is the tiniest step I can take? And for me, you know, sometimes like administrative tasks, it could be just writing one sentence or it could be ordering the thing that I need on Amazon for the next step. I mean, it can be the smallest task. And what I find is one, it's, it's all about building on small wins and celebrating the small wins. And sometimes it's that tiny, small step that we just need to take. And if one step feels overwhelming, just making it an even smaller step. Yeah, and you know what's interesting with the weight loss journey is I did stick with the one one portion for an entire year. And that was, that was my goal. It was going to be one year. When I said it, I said, I'm not guaranteeing what's going to happen the second year, but for one year, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. When I got to the second year, I was able, because certain pieces of the rut had been broken off, to actually take more effective, better steps to maintain that weight loss and to even get stronger, to elevate even further out of it. But I had to break out of the rut, which involved naming it and putting that step, you know, out of the rut. So it it's a long game out of it. So some of my takeaways from this episode, I really appreciate it so much because I think all of us are stuck in various areas, is to really lean into naming it to get a leg out, to just like that one leg out, one step, and then to elevate out of the problem. And also just acknowledging the fact that while we're in ruts, we are gonna be experiencing thoughts that aren't true. And I remember reading this this sticker one time that says, that said, don't believe everything you think. (laughs) I love that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. So don't believe everything you think when you're in a rut. It's a, it's a especially ripe place to have thoughts that are definitely not true. Yeah. So my hope for anyone listening or, or watching this particular episode is this is intended to be intensely practical mm-hmm. that pretty much all of us can identify a place in there in 
in our lives where we're stuck. So this is a great place to say, okay, you know what? I have to admit I've lingered in this stuck place for too long and I want to change. And so to begin to take these particular steps, apply them with the creativity, with the reflectiveness and say, you know, here is my stuck place and this is going to be my path out. Mm -hmm. This is my step up out of the, out of the stuck place. And this is my elevation for life beyond the stuck place. That's great. Well, I love it. Thanks, Tommy. Great. Thanks so much.